Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Hello listeners and welcome back to yet again another episode of the Beautiful Game podcast. As ever, I'm your host Budge, joined by my faithful two co-conspirators Dot and Dej. Gents, how are we this fine summer's afternoon, man? I'm good, bro. How are you, bro? Yeah, man. All good, man. Enjoying the, the, the warm weather while we still can. Of, of course, the forecasts are coming in that it's going to be raining over the next couple <laughs> of weeks. So I'm just trying to lap up as much uh, vitamin D as I, as I possibly can, man. How about you? <laughs> how about you, Dej? I'm good, bro. It's only right we do this next guest. You know, we've had Les Ferdinand, exactly. Rio Ferdinand. Got to complete the hat trick. So I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> this is it, man. 100%. We had to complete the Holy Trinity. So we are joined by a very, very special guest in very different circumstances. Of course, um, you know, we're here in the studio and we've got uh, our special guest uh, on Zoom. So we're trying something a bit different. You know, we're, we're always trying to do iterate. different things and iterate <laughs> and whatnot here live and direct on a beautiful game podcast. But with no, no further ado, we have a very special guest who, of course, has played at the very top top level in the Premier League. We remember him for his time uh, at West Ham and of course for, uh, for QPR. And it isn't many former Premier League players that can say that they are, uh, you know, front and centre and a star of a BAFTA nominated documentary. But the gentleman that we're joined uh, with this afternoon can say such. And without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, we welcome Anton Ferdinand to the platform. Welcome, Anton. Welcome, welcome, welcome Anton. Welcome, welcome. How are you doing, man? We're Thank good, you. Brother. Thank you. All good, man. I enjoyed that welcome. You know, the, the only thing I didn't enjoy was that I was the last out of the three, man. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Anton, we've got to save the best to last, man. We've got to save the best to last, bro. You get me? <laughs> but I appreciate you coming uh, on. Thank I, you I for, you, for taking you. the time out, man. No problem, man. Thank you for having me. Hundred percent. All right. Anyway, let's get this uh, cracking, man. Dej, do you want to kick us off? Yeah. So, how are you doing? You know, you seem like you're in a fine background, <laughs> enjoying life. So, what have you been up to recently? Um, to be honest with you, my new nickname's called Peter Griffin, bro. Family. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I've been in. I've been enjoying myself, to be fair, with my family, with my kids, my wife. You know, um, we've just come back from holiday um, and about to go on another one. So, yeah, um, we're enjoying ourselves. It's been a hard year for everybody um, and we're lucky and blessed to be able to go away. And we're going to um, take the opportunity to do that. So with retirement, often some players have that sort of identity crisis like, they tie their whole being into being a footballer. Mm. With you, how have you tried to like find that next passion, that next fear that you're going to dominate? Has it been easy? Has it been tough? It's been tough, if I'm honest. Um, but I'm lucky. Um, I've had something that I was going to go into from the last three, four years. I've, I've had something that I wanted to go into um, in terms of mentoring the younger generation. 
Um, that's something that I feel where I'm best. Um, there's a lot that I've been through in my footballing career on and off the pitch. And I think it'd only be right if I was to able to give that back to the, to the next generation and people that are around me. No, that's, that's lovely to hear, Anton. Obviously, I want to just get into your documentary a bit. Um, it aired on the BBC. I think it was very powerful, very poignant. And after it, I had a lot of people messaging me saying, raw, I never knew Anton Ferdinand and I went through that. That was, that was mad. How do you feel that the documentary was received? It's been hard to quite grasp how it's been received because we've been in lockdown mm. and there ain't been that personal touch with people or that personal conversation with people. Everything's over Zoom, so to speak, at the moment. So it's... Um, it's hard to actually get a feel of what it's done, how powerful it has been, if it has been powerful or not. Obviously, on the Zooms, you hear people saying, oh, your documentary was good. But until you're out and about walking the streets, and so you, you don't really know, you don't really get a feel for how, how it's done. Um, but for me personally, it's been fantastic for me personally, um, in terms of my own journey, in terms of me dealing with things that I needed to deal with. Um, this has enabled me to do it. I never once uh, done this this documentary for the fact of thinking it was going to be a therapeutic process. That wasn't my that wasn't my thought process. My thought process was to try and make change in what's going on. Mm-hmm. And um, one thing I do have to clarify, because a lot of people think that I made this documentary off the back of of BLM and and what happened with uh, George Floyd. And that wasn't the case. I was actually in talks and started making this film, this um, this documentary before that had even happened or had taken place. Um, did it play a part in, in the journey that I went on? 100% it did because like everyone, I was touched mm. with, with the events and, and what was going on. But one thing that I was happy to see, especially in the demonstrations and, and the marches that, that, that we had for, for, for BLM, is that they were multicultural. They weren't just black and ethnic minorities walking the streets, um, demonstrating their, their, their demonstrating their, their thoughts on, on um, racial equality. You know, mm-hmm. there was people from all backgrounds and, and that mirrored with my, with my documentary, you know, which, which I'd put in place uh, maybe um, two and a half years before it aired. Um, where I, I said to the BBC, I didn't want to make a documentary. If it was just going to be about me and John Terry, I wanted to make a documentary that will have different people speaking on it, you know, and not just black people speaking about racism. It needed to be different people from different backgrounds speaking about racism. Because for me personally, if we are going to see positive change, it can't just be us as ethnic minorities talking about racism. It needs to be the people who are condoning the racism, the people who are the perpetrators the people who are implementing the systemic racism, they need to see people that look like them talking about racism the same mm-hmm. way that we do. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to implement. That's what I wanted in my documentary. So then, to then see that when walking the streets with the demonstrations, that was fantastic for me to see and something that I really, really enjoyed. Uh, 100% and well said, Anton. You know, when I, when I watched the documentary, I could see how difficult it was for you to like relive the experience and go back and, you know, reacquaint yourself with, with the thoughts that you had at that time and the feelings and so on and so forth. It was tough. Right. And, and I know you, you mentioned a little bit earlier, you were speaking about the fact that, you know, in, in, in this new chapter of your life, you're doing a lot, which is involving young people and giving back and whatnot. And, and I wondered, you know, if you had, to have some very difficult conversations with your children, you know, are, are they are they too young to understand the the documentary and, and what happened, or or did you find yourself and and your wife having to sit down with them and speaking to them about some of you know what what had happened and and, and what the documentary was about and all that kind of thing? Yeah, um, I'm, you're the first to hear this, by the way. Um, and I had a conversation with my son. I watched it with my son again. Um, what was it? Ten days ago, I watched it with my son. The night before we was... No, just over ten days ago, the night before we was going on holiday. Mm-hmm. 
I watched it with my son again and I was stopping and starting it and educating him on, on it, you know, and, and, and educating him on why I've, why I've done the documentary. And um, I was recording his questions and, and my answers to him. Mm. And I'm ex- I'm explaining to him, he's saying to me why 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 were people why didn't people like you Dan like why didn't the Chelsea fans like you why why is this happening why is that happening and stuff like that and I was explaining to him the reasons why and I was saying it's just it's just the way football is at times you know and the person who I was up against was somebody that everybody loves and and. He was, people liked him more than they liked me. That's just the way it was, you know. Um, he was the better footballer than me and he was the England captain. So he, in a lot of people's eyes, he was the golden child in this, in this situation and I wasn't. I said, that's just the way it goes sometimes, son. Um, and he said, and the Chelsea, he said to me, and the Chelsea fans, what are they? I said, it wasn't just the Chelsea fans, it was all fans really, apart from the teams that I had paid for. So the West Ham fans, the Sunderland fans, the QPR fans, they were all really good. But anywhere else, I got booed. He's like, Dad, why are they booing you for though, Dad? I don't understand. I said, that's just the way football is, son. They were booing me. And I, he said, what was it like with the Chelsea fans, Dad? I said, the Chelsea fans were obviously the worst with me. Anywhere I went, they were shouting obscenities at me and stuff like that. And he was like, but I don't understand, Dad. And I swear down, the next day, we was in the airport. I'm going to get a coffee and my son's with me and a Chelsea fan is standing behind me. And the, the uh, um, an old white guy standing behind me, a Chelsea fan, a Chelsea top, and I'm thinking, rah. And I'm with my son. Mm. And the Chelsea fan goes to me, you know what, Anton? Your documentary was unbelievable. He went, listen, I love John Terry as a footballer, but what you went through, that shouldn't have happened. And then turned to my son and went, see, your dad is one of the good ones. You're lucky to have him as your dad. And that was the day after Crazy. he explained to him why Chelsea fans don't like Crazy. me. Yeah. And oh. it was like, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't fathom it. You can't it. put it, it in words. Crazy. Yeah. No, it was, it was, it's hard to put in words. And it was like, Wow. And he was like, my son was going, see, Dad, the Chelsea fans do like you. <laughs> but that's, that's just one. That's just yeah, one. Exactly. You know, and, and so, yeah, the, the, to go back to your point, the conversations with my son have been hard, but it's the reason why I've done this documentary, because it's, it's, it's educational for him. 100%. No, definitely. Like, if you can educate one person and they change their view or perception on the issue, then that's success. And he kept referring to the other person involved. That's John Terry. He's recently come mm-hmm. out in the press. He done a document with Henry Winter where he said time and time again, he's tried to reach out to the family. He met up with Rio on a beach in Dubai and Rio was like, nah, man, I don't want to talk. Is that true? Do you think he's pulling the wall over people's eyes and not wanting to front up to the situation at hand? I think as everyone saw in the documentary, that my narrative was controlled by other people because I didn't speak out. Because I didn't speak, I allowed people to control my narrative. And that's one thing that really beat me up for years. And now that ain't gonna happen to me. And the fact that he tried to come and control the narrative, that's why immediately I, I, I put a message out saying, well, you've not tried to contact me before or after the incident or before or after the documentary. Um, and if you are wanting to contact me, then ring me. I'm easy to get hold of. Ring me. It's not like I'm hard to get hold of for him. I'm easy to get hold of for him. And by the way, you going to speak to Rio is irrelevant. Your incident worked with Rio, it was with me. Mm-hmm. So why are you speaking to Rio? You know, and, and listen, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a man, I'm a man who now can show empathy to somebody. If this was five, six years ago, there's no chance I'm showing this empathy, but I can show empathy. And my empathy isn't one of, of accepting. I don't accept what happened. I don't. But my empathy is one of I'm ready to listen. I'm willing to listen for the greater good, which is for the, for the younger generation, to see two people come together 
who had an incident that can come together and make positive change. And, and as I've stated on numerous occasions, the ball's in his court. Don't tell people that you've tried to reach out to me. I've openly reached, that, reached out to you on a documentary and I've openly re- reached, I'm openly reached out to you on a documentary. So don't now say I tried to before and... and so Anton, and, um, would you be open to like so, meeting him behind the scenes? Maybe he's thinking, because I think he said in the statement that you're very elusive with the sort of content that wanted to be recorded. So would you meet up with him, let's say in a pub and have a chat and say, listen, like, this is what happened. Let's thrash things out and, and let's make a change for the greater good of society. The word elusive with the content. See that, and you're in production, yeah? When things are produced, would you want to see the content before it goes out? And if it isn't what you want, you don't let it go out, do you? No. Yeah, we've yeah, had that yeah. numerous times. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. 100%. 100%. Exactly. Yeah. So it, is, it isn't a case of what the content would have been. The content would have, could have been controlled to, to a point by, by him and his team um, for his scene. Um, because I don't mind that because I've got nothing to hide. So I, don't, I wouldn't have minded that at all. You know, um, I'm, open to, I'm open to chat. For me, this is bigger than me and him. This is big, mm. this this topic of conversation is bigger than me and him. So why wouldn't I chat anywhere? Of course I would. Mm. It's about us showing the football authorities how not to deal with the situation if it ever happened again. And the likelihood of it is, and it's sad for me to say, the likelihood of it is ha- of it happening again are very very high with what's going on in society and in football at the moment. I'll, I'll quickly say just the last one on this because this is not the John Terry show. We want to make this about you, but. Where do you stand on this situation? Because I have so many people, I come across them in the street, you know, I'm speaking to my friends and they're like, listen, I don't like John Terry because I think he's a racist because of how he treated Anton. In your opinion, do you feel John Terry is racist? Yes or no? For me, if them thoughts are running through your mind and you say it, you can't not be. You can't. You can't not be like if 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 you're if you're an idiot, you're not a. You, you don't. You're just an idiot. You're not. You're coloured than an idiot. Yeah, yeah. Or if we're talking about if we're talking about somebody's weight, so you're just this, this, a, a different type of discrimination. If someone's an idiot, you just call them an idiot. You don't call, say that you're a you're a a fat or a skinny idiot, you don't say that, do you? You just say you're an idiot. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's that's my thoughts on it. But can you can you be forgiven and can you change? 100 percent you can. Mm-hmm. That's a part of life. It's a part of life. To, to, your best lessons come when you do something wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. a fact. It's just whether you're willing to accept it. Because John Terry actually listens to this podcast. He's actually posted it on his Instagram. So if he's tuning into this particular episode, is there anything, any final words on the matter that you want to tell him? The ball's in, the ball's in his court. It's down to him, isn't it? Uh, I've said enough on this, this incident. Um, can say as much as he wants in terms of like doing interviews and saying this and saying that. But what I would say is... Um, in terms of the career in the game and stuff and where he wants to go, I think it's beneficial that the, that the discussions have. Yeah, no, 100. 100%. 100, 100. All right, so moving on just a little bit, Anton, what I wanted to ask you about, um, still within the topic of, you know, um, discrimination in a game, is your stance on social media because a lot of the abuse that you experienced, um, you know, over the years was um, on on Twitter and on social media, and and I suppose I wanted to ask you what your stance is on it at this present moment in time. Are, are you still a big fan of social media? Do you use it often? Do you allow your children to use it? And do you do you what do you think that platforms like Twitter can do to clamp down on 
abuse online? Well, that's one thing that this documentary has done. It's put me in a position where I'm having conversations with the social media companies on this topic. Mm. Um, And I say to them the same thing I say to to you guys. If they want to change it, they can. It just comes down to whether they want to or not. Mm. You know, and, and for me... That is what that's that is the magic. That's that is the the sentence. Do you want to change it or do you not? If you don't want to change it, that's fine. Tell us. If you don't, just be honest with us. If you don't, if you don't want to take discrimination or any type forms of discrimination off of your platforms, that's fine. But just tell us, and then <laughs> we can make our mind up. Yeah. At least then we know. Make our mind up on yeah. Exactly. <laughs> then we can make our mind up if we want to use it or not. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know, um, but. I still use it. Yeah, I still use my, my, my social media. Um, and and why not? They are trying to do things. They are. I, I can't be overly harsh on, on the social media company. They are trying to do stuff um, to, to safeguard people's pages. But again, I'm not in there just for the footballers. And, and the footballers that are in there, in these conversations, we're not in there just for the footballers. We're in there for the wider society. So if you can safeguard our pages, you can safeguard everyone's pages, not just because we've got a blue tip. Mm. And um, that's what they need to understand. So when you're speaking to these people, like what is the stumbling block for change? Because as we saw with the ESL, they announced it, there was a riot, everything got shut down. Mm. But with this sort of abuse, it's a lot slower. There's not that much progression. Ugly incidents continue to rear their heads. They'll be hyped for a day or two after that. Three weeks later, same thing again. So what have they said? It's monetary. It's monetary. They haven't said anything, but you can tell it's monetary. Just by the two scenarios you're using, the ESL and discrimination on the platform. Why did the ESL get shut down so quickly? Because people's money was in danger. Mm. UEFA and FIFA, their money was in danger. The Premier League, their money was in danger. That's why it got dealt with quickly. Money ain't in danger when it comes to, to talking about discrimination on the platforms. Mm. That's why it takes longer. Sad. Yeah, no, well well said, Anton. Obviously, we want to go into the early days, growing up in SE15. We <laughs> took it back with Rio. We have to take it back with you. <laughs> you know, talk to us about growing up, playing football in the ends, man. Uh, how was that? Do you know what? Oh, you can see the smile on my face. <laughs> I know we're probably upsetting you with all the, all the, all the stuff we've been saying. No, the, um, it was the best times, the the, the best life lessons, um, who have made me the person I am today. Um, and I guess that's why I don't, I'm going to go back to the documentary. I, think, I guess I think that's I guess that's why people saw how how much I struggled with the fact that I didn't speak out because being from Peckham and the way that I was brought up, you, you do speak out. You, if something's jarring you or something's not right, you speak out against it. And I didn't do that at a time when I should have done. And, and so as I said, Anton, my Anton. life lesson, the life lesson that I learned on Peckham. Mm. No, I was going to say, Anton, like, back so then, what were your boys saying? Because they knew what you were going through. Surely they were saying, Anton, what's going on? What's the deal, man? What's, what's going on? Do you, do, you know, do, you know, do you know what's mad? A lot of people, you know how many of my friends have rang me and said, well, Anton, I didn't even know you was going through that. Wow. Because mm. I was, because, and that's my own fault. Mm. And that's something I've learned about myself. I was so guarded in terms of everyone thought I was okay because I was like, I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm a joke. I like to joke. And... And I don't like to show people that something's wrong. And people just thought I was cool. I thought I was cool. I thought I was, because I was still playing football, I thought I was cool. Like, well, yeah, that's happened. I'm getting this, I'm getting that. But well, football's going to take care of it. My football's going to take care of it. And everyone thought I was okay, but clearly I wasn't. And a lot of my friends since then have said to me, like, man, I feel like, feel like a rubbish, a rubbish friend, man, because I didn't see it, I didn't know. And, it's, and I'm like, nah, 
you uh, you can't even take the blame for that. That's my fault. That's my bad because I, I didn't open up. I didn't show you a side that I showed myself when I was at home. No, so like even going back, we're talking about Peckham. I drove past there the other day. It's re-drentrified. It's not like back in the day <laughs> with the no ball game signs and all of that. It's changed. So like, you said you were, you know, you, you learned a lot of lessons on the road with your friends and stuff. So how do you, how is it being a parent now in this new era where it's not, you know, you go out on the estate, someone on the block teaches you a lesson. It's more in front of the iPad. So how, how do you sort of... You know what? Me and Rio have this conversation regularly, you know, about our children. They ain't seen what we've seen. Yeah. Obviously, and, and, and going through what we've gone through growing up. Um, and it's like, how do you instill certain things in them? And mm. I know I, I, I tend to use football as a tool with my son in terms of work ethic because he loves football. Um, if he didn't want to be a footballer, that won't bother me. Uh, whatever he wants to do, as long as he works hard at it and enjoys it, I don't care. You know, so but I, because he loves football at his age, young age of seven, I tend to use football as a tool to teach him about work ethic. Mm. So it's like, okay, he will go outside and, and shoot 100 balls and go, Dad, I'm working hard. And I'll be going, but you're not working hard. That's not, that's not hard work. You've shot 100 with your left foot, you're left-footed. That's not hard mm. work. Go and shoot 100 with your right yeah. foot and then come back. You won't even get to 100 because you'll miss 20 and then get bored because you've missed 20. <laughs> but when you go past 20, then that becomes hard work because you're now, you're now challenging your mind to do something that's not good at doing. Yeah. And that's where the hard work comes in. And it's the same when we talk about maths, Sam. When, you, when you're doing your five and your, your six and your seven times tables, when you keep repeating them and it becomes repetitive, it gets boring quickly. So you tend to switch off and not do it. Mm. But the hard work is when you want to switch off, you don't switch off. That's when it becomes. That's when I can say you're working hard, because mm. that's how you're going to get to learn it quicker. But I, I try to use football as a tool to show him the difference in terms of working hard and not working hard. No, that's it. That's it. Hundred percent, man. Hundred percent. Um. So Anton, what, one of the questions that I wanted to ask you, still speaking about like your childhood and growing up and whatnot, um, obviously in part in, in the documentary, there was a part where there was this uh, recording of you when you were really, really young and you were talking about, you know, the, the fact that you, you know, you're happy to play football and, you know, you look up to your big brother and whatnot. <laughs> what I wanted to ask you is in terms of the, the, like the developmental years of your career, right? When you're, when you're learning the game and, 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 and the tricks of the trade and whatnot, do you, do you feel that having a brother who played in the same position as you and was a bit older, do you feel that like that kind of helped accelerate your development to, to some extent, if, if you get what I mean? Because it was, it was very um, competitive because he was older than you, because he was the same position. So it's like, you know, you've got a mentor that is, Literally, like right at your doorstep. Right at your doorstep. <laughs> you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. He, he was the best, and we was in the same club. Growing up in the same club, um, I wouldn't say it accelerated it. It it was hard, very very hard, because when you're comparing yourself to the best, and they're doing things that not normal defenders do, and he's mm. the first one of his kind to do it. Other than other than the the generation before him, which was or the generations before him, when who can you say done what he done other than that Berezi, Bobby Moore? There's not many that done it. Julio's gonna be gas. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but in in that in that bit in that bit in between, mm-hmm. who's who's in that bit in between that done it? All the ones that done it done it after he done it in that in that era. Yeah. Mm. You know what I mean? So he was the first one, really, that started to to think about bringing the ball out and doing this and doing that. And if I didn't do that in the first five, if I didn't show something that I liken me to him in the first five minutes of someone watching me, I was rubbish. Mm. I was rubbish. He can't do what Rio does. He's rubbish. And so it didn't accelerate me. It made me work harder. It toughened me up because at the age of nine, 10, 11, I used to hear regular. I'd go and get a board, hear parents going, oh, he'd never be as good as Rio. He's rubbish. He'd never be as good. 
And obviously the, 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 the upbringing in Peckham helped me to deflect that and helped me to have hard skin. But it was the, the conversations that we used to have in our flat in Peckham and in our house when we moved out of Peckham, the conversations were one of like, we didn't care what people said outside of this, outside these four walls. Mm. The people that are inside these four walls, we know you're a good player. You know you're a good player, Anton. That's all that matters. And Rio is one of them people in the, within them four walls telling me that. So when your idol's telling you that, and your mum and dad's telling you that, it, it, it's hard not to, to it's hard not to not to be able to bounce off your shoulder and go, well, I don't care what you say because your idol's saying it and your parents are saying it. And I know I'm a good player. Mm. And, and that's how I was. But I knew one thing that having realized my brother did do, I knew I was going to get an opportunity. I knew it. Yeah. I knew I was going to get opportunity. That's the good thing about having realized my brother. I knew I was going to get opportunity, but I knew I had to be ready when that opportunity came. Mm. So I knew I had to work hard on everybody so that when an opportunity came, I was ready. Mm. Oh, so, so scrolling back to Peckham, the estate, I know you were, you know, flooded with like bare sick ballers from ends. And do you think there were people from ends that should have made it, that didn't make it? But as you just said, you knew you were going to get the opportunity because you had that connection to Rio. And do you think maybe that was to the detriment of the people that were ballers on the estate, that they didn't have that plug into the industry? Not, not necessarily, because um, a lot of clubs go and take ballers from from the ends. <laughs> a lot of them get opportunities in there. It's whether they take the opportunity or not. It's whether their attitude's right or not. It's whether the club understands someone from an estate, what type of attitude they have, and how to nurture and how to deal with that, that attitude. So it's on both parts. Not just the it's not just the person coming out of the estates parts they got to play in terms of their attitude and making sure they're coachable because some people ain't coachable, but when they go into an environment and the environment helps them understand that they need to be coachable and helps them understand and nurtures them to become that person, but keeps that raw talent in them. So it's, 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 it's got to come from both ends. It's got to come from you, the person, and, and the coach in the football club that you're at. Um, but what I did have, and I wasn't the best player in my on my state of my age no chance was I I wasn't the best but the one thing I had over all of them was I had um, I had backing my mum and dad used to come to games Not mm-hmm. my mum my, my and dad used to go to games for, for some of the other boys too because wow. their parents wouldn't come to the games mm-hmm. and, and, and I, I think that was, a bit, that was a big thing I could I could make a mistake and look over and see my mum and my dad or see my dad there and my dad go, yeah, it's okay. Or, or, or not say nothing at all, or give me the look. They made a mistake or done something wrong. They had no one to, to turn to or to, yeah. to look at. You know, and I, and I think the support from my family played a big part for me personally in terms of comparing myself to other players from the estate who should have made it, who were better than me. No, that's, that's dope. I want to talk about the back end of your career when you went to Scotland, when you went to Southend as well. When you normally speak to people, they say playing in the lower leagues is much closer to the football that they fell in love with. That when you get into Premier League territory, it's sort of like bubblegum content. Everything's watered down. Everything's robotic. But when you get into League One, League Two, there's that sort of brotherhood, that sort of camaraderie. What was your experience of playing at the top end Premier League and playing, you know, League One. I, I grew up in a, in a club at West Ham where the camaraderie and the, the banter um, was like how it is at a League One club. Mm-hmm. It was like being on, on the estate with your, with your friends. You know, um, we, when we was on the training pitch, we trained properly. There was arguments, there was fights, all because we wanted to improve, all because we wanted to win. But once we came off the training pitch and we was in the, the dressing room, it was like being in, in the classroom. It was like being on the estate. There was their jokes. And and I was always in, in the forefront of that. I was always about that's what I went to football for. I went to football to kick ball and to crack jokes. Yeah. yeah. And, and 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 that's what I was about. And I was like that throughout my whole career. 
it was when I got to South End when it was like you crack jokes all the time. And I weren't used to that. Okay, yeah. You know, yeah, that, that camaraderie and people crack jokes, but people wanted to crack jokes on the training pitch. And I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not on that. Mm. Uh, like I'll crack jokes in the dressing room and in the treatment room, 100%. I'll be the life of the party. But when we start to play ball, don't try and joke with me. You're looking and, and to clamp people, the way innit? You're looking to just get stuck yeah, in, fam. You know? <laughs> no, to, to be fair, if someone got dubbed, if someone got shaped and baked or got dubbed out, I would. Shaped and baked, you know. As long as the first time I've heard that one. As long as they weren't me on the receiving end of it, and 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 how did that um, experience differ to when you went abroad? So, like. You know, we're seeing a lot more players going out to places like Turkey. Um, we actually spoke to Benica Fobi uh, on, on on the platform and he was speaking about how competitive it is out in Turkey, you know, and, 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 and you know, some yeah. people might not understand just the, like the, the, the level of, of, of competitiveness of that league. Um, so what was your experience like, uh, you know, out there and how did it differ to being, you know, on, on you know, your, your, your local soil and, and what you're familiar with in familiar territory? Um, I loved my, my first thing in Turkey was with Bursaspor and I loved every minute of it. Um, when you talk about pressure, there's pressure on every game. Every game out there, there's pressure. Bursaspor uh, was one of the biggest, biggest clubs out there. It was in like one, of the top, one of the top four until recently. It's, it's gone down now and they're in the league below. Uh, but when I was there, they're the first team to ever win the league outside of Istanbul. Uh, a few years before that, I went there. Uh, so when I went there, the club was massive. Um, there was expectation, there was pressure. It was something that I had never experienced in England, but I always thought that I should have experienced it in England. I should have been at a top four club. Um, I never got there, and I was able to have that in Turkey. And Bennett's right. The, 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 the competitiveness of the league is really, really good. It's, um, it can't be underestimated over there. The only difference is the, is the pace of the game. It's more like an international type pace of the game. Okay, yeah. Wow. Right. People are competing over there and, 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 and the fans are on you. Crazy, you know, innit? I can imagine. They're on you. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, Anton, I just wanted to ask you, what's next for you? Obviously, you're retired now. You've done your documentary. You're a married man. You've got kids. Well, what is next for Anton Ferdinand? What's the next chapter in this long book? Um, my next, what's next for me is to continue mentoring the next generation of footballers uh, for the era of global sports management. Um, that's what I'm working with, that's what I work for. And as I said, I, my mum was somebody who had a knack for giving all the time. There was, like people say, there was never enough hours in a day, she always found time. And as part of her legacy, I want to continue that. And that's why um, mentoring to, to, to the next generation is so big for me. Um, but now that the, 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 the chapter of a footballer's finished and I didn't reach the heights that I wish I would have reached as a footballer, that's my, my, my personal opinion. Yeah, I played at the top level for, for 11 years and, and I had a fantastic career and a career that people will be proud of. But for, because of my own self, I didn't reach the potential that I should have done. I should, I should have played for England, I felt. Um, but I didn't. But that's my, my own problem, and I know why I didn't. Um, um, so now that that's closed... What, so now, can you say now you know why you didn't? Is that because of your ability or, let's say, football politics? It wasn't my ability, no chance. Um, it wasn't my ability. Um, for me, there was football politics in it, 100%. But away from that, I got to look at myself. Before any of that, I got to look at myself. And mm. there came a time in my career where, where I relaxed and I relaxed. I relaxed a lot. And the reason why I did relax was because I had finally come out of Rio Shadow. And that was after my first year in the Premier League. After my first year in the Premier League, I went from walking in places and walking around and people going, look, there's Rio Ferdinand, there's Anton Ferdinand. And that was such a big 
that was such a big uh, thing for me. You got to think I've been compared to my idol, which is my brother, since the age of nine years old. And to finally be known as Anton Ferdinand, not Rio's brother, it was such a big achievement for me that it was like, I've done it. And I just relaxed. And that's my own fault. My own fault. That's nobody else's fault. That's my own fault. And when I relaxed, I became inconsistent. Whereas the, the previous years, I was a, a seven, eight out of 10 every week. I, I was people talking about me because I was consistent. And when I did relax, I became inconsistent. Uh, so like, are you at peace with that now? Like, can you think, okay, you know what? That's gone now. I'm moving on to the next chapter of my career. Let me dominate that field. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm at peace with that. I'm at peace with it. And the reason why I'm at peace with it is because that's my story. That's my journey. Yeah. But that story and that journey is allowed me, is going to allow me to nip that in the bud if anyone else has that problem. And it ain't just coming out of a situation where you're coming out of somebody's shadow. It could be anything. And the minute that I see one of the players that I'm, that I, I work with, start to to relax i'm going to be on them because i understand what it can do to you so what's the you know? trait and of relaxing like what kind of things do you start seeing that's visible in, to you inconsistency start thinking start trying to take liberties mm. you know not concentrating fully you know when you're playing against the lesser teams or when you're playing against the lesser players you 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 don't take it as serious but then when you're playing against the big boys you're the best player on the pitch. That's what I became. Like when I was playing against Thierry Henry, I didn't need to get up when I was playing against Ruud Van Nistel, I was playing against Fernando Torres, Suarez. When I was playing against these Agueros, I knew I was going to play well because I was playing against the names. Mm. But then when I was playing against someone who didn't have a big name, I wasn't the same player. That was me relaxing. Yeah. You know, and, and the minute that I see that in someone, someone trying to take liberties, someone trying to take a touch when, they, when normally they'll clear it, and stuff like that, or trying to do a skill in a, in a situation that they shouldn't do, or just look like they're disinterested, then, yeah, they, they will be getting a phone call from me 100%. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what, Anton? I had one final question, right? And it's, it's, it's a question I've had for a long time. And, and that is, it, it, I was reminded of it when um, Dej just asked a question about making peace with, you know, your career and so on and so forth, right? And one question I've yeah. had is how long it takes to get over certain things, right? Um, so a prime example is, you know, the, 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 the infamous Gerard slip, right? How, how long does it take as a player to get over disappointment, failures, those kind of things, right? And I'm thinking about way back 2006 FA Cup final against Liverpool, right? Goes to penalties. It was a, it was a crazy, to, to be fair, that's probably one of the best FA Cup finals of, of all time, right? But it goes to penalties. Now, obviously, prior to, you, you, you had a decisive penalty, right? But prior to, yeah. to your penalty, obviously, I think it was Koncheski and um, uh, I can't remember who else missed. Tomorrow. No, yeah, tomorrow, tomorrow. Right? So he missed. They, they, yeah. both, they both missed. But ultimately, you take the final penalty that decides it. And in a moment, you're disappointed, so on and so forth. How long does it take or how long did it take for you to finally make peace with it? Like, it's, it's, it's gone. There's nothing I can do about it. I move on. I make peace with it. Like, have you made peace of it? Is it something that you still flash back to today? Do you know what I mean? I can talk about it now. It took me years to be even be able to talk about it. Um, but I still now, it, I still like wake up and think about it. I still, it still haunts me to this day, just put it that way. But I, it took me like a good seven, eight years to even be able to talk about it properly. Oh. Um, but like as I said, still now it it haunts me now that I, I missed that penny. Crazy, that's yeah, crazy, that's... man. Yeah. yeah, I think we just want to end on a quick fire round. Maybe one question each. So, what is my question? I haven't even thought about I, question. I can get <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> my question, my question for you, Anton, is a two-part question, right? So you're, you know, you, you look like a trendy guy, you know, you're into your fashion. <laughs> I see you with a salmon pink t-shirt on and whatnot. So it's a matching, man. <laughs> so the first question I want to ask is, 
if you're going out for um, a, a date with a missus, right? You're, 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 you're traveling, of course, with family and whatnot. <laughs> you're about to go on holiday. Date night with a missus. What trainers are you wearing on your date night with a missus? Or, or what footwear are you wearing with, um, on your date night with a missus? That's, that's the first part of the question. The second part of the question is, what is your most played song on your playlist on your phone right now? Well, funny enough, I actually asked my wife this question the other day. I said to her, if we're going out on a date, what are you, and you have to dress me, what are you dressing me? Mm. So I'm going to go with what she said. <laughs> cool. cool. A Chris White shirt, a pair, a pair of chinos, Come on. fitted chinos, and a crisp white fresh pair of trainers. Yeah, nice for the summer nice. as well. Yeah, that summary, that summary. That's, that tidy. That's tidy. That's <laughs> tidy. Shirt, shirt rolled up, though. Sleeves rolled up. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. come on. <laughs> 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 yeah. And then, and then what, uh, what's the, the most played song on your playlist? The most played song on my playlist right now. Of course, it's just been my My wedding song is Jagged Edge Gots to Be. Okay, <laughs> those tunes, <laughs> throwback <laughs> tunes, right? Them tunes there. Come on. I think my, my I, know, I know one thing. I know one thing. I know one thing. You lot are gonna go. You lot are gonna go back to your missus tonight and play the tune. I know. It. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making notes. I'm making notes. I'm making notes. Anton, my question is: When you go back to Peckham, how does it make you feel? That's a good question. I feel proud. I feel proud that I came from a place like Brecon. I feel proud that I'm one of of a few who have showed showed young people in that environment that there is a way out of it, and that's reciprocated by the way people treat me when I go there. Um, there's nothing but love. People talk about Peckham as being somewhere. That isn't nice, but I don't ever see that side of it when I go back. I see nothing but love, and I'll be forever grateful and forever. I'll be forever thankful and forever grateful for the, for that place. No, oh, nice, nice. Up, man. The last one from me is: What is your biggest achievement outside of marrying your wife, having your kids, and football? <laughs> oh, pressure. pressure. <laughs> I just recently. Graduated on a, an effective board members course. Oh, um, big up, big up. So, so to graduate, so to graduate, um, and for the people that went school, people that watched this that went to school with me, they were not how much of a big ass that must have been for me to do that. So <laughs> to <laughs> um, so to so to graduated, and in in something that I knew nothing about, which was governance and how a board works and and how different board members' behaviours should be and how they should operate and the frameworks of, of, of organisations and companies to now understand all of that, for me, is a massive, massive achievement. So what are we saying? Big Anton up. for FA chairman. Is that what we're saying, yeah? See the room, I can see what you're thing. doing. One thing they can't say to me is I'm not qualified enough to do it. So Come on. Yeah. There you go. Leave it there. <laughs> Hundred percent. I don't think there's anything else we need yeah. to add to that, man. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a that's a nice little way to, to to end the end the chat, man. Anton, it's been an absolute pleasure, man. Thank you again for taking the time out to chat to us. We've enjoyed it, man. We've spoken about so many different things, man, in the in a short space of time. But now we're we're, we're pleased that we managed to have this sit down chat with you, man. Anthony, you know we've Thank been you this me. one for a long yeah, time. Man, we've been chasing this one up, <laughs> so it didn't disappoint. Love, love for it. jumping on and love for giving us your time. Hundred percent, man. Hundred percent, and I know that all of the the, the 
the listeners Thank you very and the viewers. Man. I really appreciate it. Oh, pleasure. pleasure. Big up, man, Anton. We know all the listeners and the viewers will enjoy it as well. So thank you guys also for tuning in up until this point in time. Just a very quick reminder, if you're not yet following us on Twitter, it's at podcast underscore TBG, on Instagram at pod underscore TBG. And you can listen to all of our interviews on Spotify and you can watch all of our interviews on YouTube. So make sure you hit the like button on this one, subscribe and all the rest of the good stuff. And we're going to catch you on the next episode. Until then, over and out. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.